This is Digital Health Today, episode 57. We're in an environment today, Diane, where we're data-rich and information-poor. But there are best practices. There are these shining lights, these beacons of hope. And we're trying to highlight and accentuate um, those, uh, those shining examples. I truly believe that the future of healthcare is going to be built on the shoulders of the strongest of partnerships. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Support for this podcast comes from Medible. Medible enables mobile solutions to globalize clinical research with anytime, anywhere participant data capture through connected devices. Learn more at medible.com and get a demo today. That's medible.com. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 57. What a great start to 2018. We're already about to round out the first quarter of the year, and it's been super busy, but lots of fun. There have been some big announcements by tech and health giants, a host of powerful conferences already held this year with many more coming up in the next few months in the run-up to summer, and as always, great guests. We've got a load of podcasts prepped and rolling out to you, so be sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app and don't miss a single one. We're continuing to grow this platform, we're building our team, our reach, and our sponsors, and it's all thanks to you, the digital health community. Thanks for tuning in and sharing this time with us. I'm really pleased to bring you our next guest. I love bringing you all our guests, but this gentleman is really one of the special ones. He's an incredibly gifted individual in the health and technology space. In fact, he was recognized by Becker's Hospital Review as one of the 26 smartest people in health IT. Information Week said he was one of the top 20 health IT leaders driving change and a top healthcare innovator. My guest is none other than Dr. Rasu Shretza. He holds two roles at UPMC in Pittsburgh. He's both the Chief Innovation Officer for UPMC, and he's also the Executive Vice President of UPMC Enterprises, which is the innovation and commercialization arm of UPMC. We're going to dive into that group, what they do, and how they do it on this episode. In the latest news, this was just announced on March 19th, Rasu has been named by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to lead the work mapping the electronic medical record to the FHIR APIs. He's also going to lead the creation of some common data standards through industry partnerships. Rasu and I recorded this episode several weeks ago, and he talks about the important role of partnerships in unlocking and solving healthcare's challenges. Could this bring about the end of the interoperability problem that's been the bane of EMRs since they came into existence? Let's stay tuned. I should also mention that Rasu is the co-chair of the Health Data Palooza meeting, which is coming up on April 26th and 27th at the Washington Hilton in Washington, D.C. This will be my first year attending Health Data Palooza, and Rasu shares why this meeting is important and what you can expect if you head out there too. I'm looking forward to attending, and I hope I'll see you there. As always, you can get the links and notes from our discussion on our website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 57. Please do check it out and sign up for our newsletter. And while you're at it, hit subscribe on your podcast app so you'll be sure to get all our upcoming episodes. Now let's tune into the conversation with Dr. Rasu Shretza. Rasu, thanks for joining me and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me here. Rasu, first I want to dive into your roles at UPMC. Can you fill in some details about your work and a little bit about the relationship of the roles between UPMC and UPMC Enterprises? Yeah, absolutely. So UPMC, really excited about um, the organization overall. I've been here about 10 years now, moved from 
sunny Los Angeles to not so sunny Pittsburgh. As I look out, it's sort of snowing outside. Uh, but it's what's what's wonderful about UPMC is the fact that it is uh, both a payer and a provider organization. We're a large organization, 80,000 employees, uh, the largest employers in the state of Pennsylvania here in the United States. Um, but um, you know, as a payer and a provider organization, meaning we provide care to our patients, but we also have a payer arm that essentially provides insurance coverage to over 3.5 million lives across the board. Um, this yin and yang of the payer provider is really interesting. As we look at the reality of value-based healthcare versus volume-based healthcare, and we're marching towards value-based healthcare in ways that we've never done before. As we're embracing technology whose time has come again in ways that we've never done before. That role around um, innovation that I have really intersects very nicely with um, everything that I just described because what we do at UPMC Enterprises, which is our innovation and entrepreneurship arm, is essentially take the synthesis of this payer provider yin and yang, the specifics of the unmet clinical and operational needs across a large organization like ours with a preview to, hey, Let's not just create solutions that are cool and that would work for UPMC, but you know, would there be opportunities for us to work um, to commercialize the set solutions, to work with some of the brightest minds that exist, um, not just here in the region, but nationally and perhaps even internationally, and, and invest in companies and grow companies and birth companies in, in ways that we've just not been doing in healthcare. So we've looked at uh, sort of the digitization of healthcare in the last, uh, say, 20 years or more. When did UPMC Enterprises start and what was the sort of reason, the catalyst that made UPMC want to form this group? Yeah, so UPMC has always had a rich history of innovation, Dan, even well before I came uh, to UPMC, right from the 1970s, I'd say. You know, we've had lots of innovative ideas and solutions come out of UPMC. Um, but, you know, they've all, oftentimes been sort of relegated to being sort of marked as well, those were lightning strikes. You know, good luck with doing that again. And part of what we did at UPMC was to say, all right, how do we create more of a lightning strike factory? You know, a lightning factory that um, you know with that has a discipline around human-centered design that brings in the specifics of agile development methodologies that creates a safe space in 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 this atmosphere of healthcare where you're able to really. Uh, not just have fun in iterating through um, design and iterating through um, you know products that we would use uh, at UPMC and, and commercialize the solutions, but we would would be able to do this by tapping into um, the living lab that is UPMC, right? The entire depth and breadth of the expertise that we have across UPMC. So we started um, the genesis of UPMC Enterprises started way back uh, about eight years ago. And about three and a half, four years ago was when we really sort of doubled down on our current strategy where we're really um, looking at this uh, across the scope of ideation, product development, commercialization, and thought leadership essentially rolled into one, um, you know, really concerted effort that we're now calling UPMC Enterprises. Let's talk about the culture there, because I know that's probably one of the biggest obstacles to change across healthcare. I mean... Your moonshot is reinventing the future of healthcare. And how does that get embedded into the culture at an organization that's the size of UPMC with the important work that's happening every moment of every day? How does that get driven down into 80,000 employees and uh, taking care of three and a half million lives? 
or does it? Is this the role of a, a specific team or department that's sort of reinventing the, the future and then everyone else can just focus on the patient care they need to deliver every day? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. And, you know, uh, you, you use the word culture, and that's something that we um, vehemently believe in at UPMC is, you know, if, you're, if you've got goals as lofty as, as we do, and not just uh, providing excellent care um, to the patients and the health plan members and others that we're serving today, but, um, but we're thinking ahead and we're saying, all right, where's this going, <laughs> right? How do we make sure that we're able to be ready for a future where healthcare is moving well away from the bricks and mortar hospitals that we've known healthcare to be, not just in the last two decades that we've been rolling out um, clinical information systems, but really for centuries at a time where, you know, this doctor-patient relationship has really been about more of a paternalistic approach to care, where it's it's really been where, you know, care happens within the, the boundaries of, of the, the healthcare entity, whether it might be uh, in an ED clinic or it might be in your primary care practitioners or a GP's clinic. Uh, so, so that's not what healthcare is really about. And we're broadening the scope of healthcare. And we're saying, look, the brave new world of healthcare is really about um, not just surviving, but thriving, where you know, this doesn't just become a nice tagline, but it becomes, uh, uh, you know, a, spe a specific set of uh, capabilities that enables for you to have the right businesses and the business models, the right set of technologies and incentives that are all aligned to really allow for you to uh, realize the potential of uh, the future of healthcare, where, um, you know, we're really incentivizing um, thriving, right? And and, and so, so when, when you think about all of that and the cultural change that's required in shifting that mindset, because we're talking about redefining even what health and care really means, um, and, 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 and henceforth then creating solutions that would fit into that goal of the redefined future of healthcare. Um, so the culture aspect is really important. And typically what exists in healthcare is this you know, this clash that happens between the established mindsets, like the way that I was trained as a clinician, you know, with um, evidence-based guidelines and best practices, um, you know, if, 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 if more of it works, then do more of it, right? And versus innovators and entrepreneurs and others that are coming at us and saying, hey, here's this brand new way of doing things, trust us, it'll work. And there's this culture clash that happens. So we're, we're really approaching this in a number of different ways where, you know, um, bringing in principles of human-centered design to say, all right, how do we engage the end users early on in the process of um, creating these solutions, of strategizing even around what those pain points might be, uh, and making sure that there's this iterative process of, of failing fast but scaling success often and, and defining those early wins and really engaging uh, our clinicians, our patients, our end users in the, um, in the, in the thorough process of, of, uh, of creating these solutions. So culture is a, uh, is a really, really important thing um, if you 
uh, want to get innovation right. Well, but what does that look like, though, in detail? I mean, I, I get it on a top level. You need to engage the nurses, the physicians, the uh, all across the entire healthcare organization to get people engaged in this. But what does that really mean? Are you having meetings? Are you assigning team leaders? Are you forming groups and teams? You've got over 30 hospitals within your system. So what are some of the practical things that are being driven either from top down or bottom up that yeah. um, that people can learn from and say, well, actually, maybe we can use that here. So how we've actualized, um, you know, that entire ramble that I put in front of you around the importance of culture in, in healthcare and healthcare innovation is in many ways, we've tried to democratize the innovation process. We've tried to create a level of transparency and access to innovative resources that really um, hasn't existed in healthcare before. We've um, established UPMC Enterprises in a way that it essentially is more of a servant leadership model to the rest of the living lab, that's UPMC. So you know, clinicians in general have, um, have a lot of opinions. Um, so I'm talking about nurses and physicians and, and other clinicians across the board, where because they're living and breathing uh, the specifics of the challenges that they're, uh, they're working in on a day-in, day-out basis. There's, there's, there's no one like the nurse that's in the front end um, that understands the pain points in the delivery of healthcare. Uh, there's no one that understands the specifics of the workarounds that they have to put in place uh, to even manage the specifics of those challenges on a day-in, day-out basis. So what we do is through the process of human-centered design, we're able to engage them. They come in to our Bakery Square offices, which is where we're located here in, in beautiful Pittsburgh, um, and they're able to sit down with us. They're able to ideate with us. We're able to go down to where they are working, to their specific work environments. We're able to observe them. We're able to bring them into conversations. So we have human-centered design experts. We have business analysts. Uh, we have data scientists and others that are able to sort of sit down with our end users. Lots of whiteboards, lots of sticky notes. But more importantly, we go in with an open mind, uh, with an open ear, with eyes wide open, and we don't go in with any preconceived notions. And we allow for that level of dialogue to happen, which I think is really the basis of innovation, is that human aspect of just having those conversations, of empathizing, of connecting, and of, of listening and, and of seeing. And, and that's what we're doing uh, to actually actualize that vision of, of the culture that I talked about. That's great. Yeah, thanks for that detail, because I have to admit, on a macro level, it's easy to get a little depressed. I mean, you look at the stats and you wonder, is any of this hard work that we're doing in this industry uh, adding up to, to anything? I mean, diabetes rates are up. Costs continue to climb. Uh, the think tank, the Commonwealth Fund, issued two reports in 2014 and 2017, which puts the U.S. in last place or close to the last place in access, administrative efficiency, equity, and healthcare outcomes. So it's easy to go negative if you want to focus on that. But let's not. Let's talk about some of the success is happening there in Pittsburgh. Can you tell me about some of the companies or tech or services that you guys are working on that's making the improvement that's so badly needed? Yeah, absolutely. Lots of successes to talk about. Um, it, what's interesting in, in just the, uh, the backdrop of the commentary that you made earlier is, you know, if you look at sort of just the landscape of healthcare across the board, um, not just in the United States, but even internationally, and I'd say that most, you know, most startups uh, are in a hurry, but most of healthcare is not. You know, and and that that disparity that exists is is something that I think we really need to comprehend. And 
and, and when you look at the the dire straits that we're in right now around sort of cost and quality and access and and the specifics of what we need to capitalize on in this wave of digitization that we've uh, enjoyed even in the last 10, 20 years, this move of volume to value that I referenced earlier, and perhaps more importantly, technology whose time has come, I think the imperative to really capitalize on that today is more than it's been ever before. So if we then sort of condense all of that and maybe focus in on some successes that we've had as a result of some of the methodologies that I've described that we're really putting into place at UPMC and UPMC Enterprises. It, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about, say, um, our initiative to really look at um, how we're dealing with patients who come in with chronic illnesses that then get discharged from the hospital. Because these patients that come into a health system like UPMC, we give them excellent care, but then they get discharged, right? And, and that's where things in the past have essentially broken down because they get discharged, they go home, and they go back to, quote, unquote, their old ways, right? And so what we've done is to say, all right, how do we make sure that we're able to risk stratify our patient population of these chronically ill patients that get admitted to our hospitals and are ready for discharge? And we're able to then intervene and have the right set of capabilities to really manage their health and well-being after they get discharged from the hospitals, such that we actually don't have them come back to our hospitals ever again if we can. Right? So we're working um, with a company called Vivify Health. We, we're an investor in Vivify. We're co-creating a set of solutions with, uh, with Vivify Health. And we're implementing those across UPMC right now, where when we discharge our patients, uh, like I described earlier, we're risk stratifying them, and we're discharging them with not just a bag of pills or a discharge summary that has some, you know, uh, instructions that they may or may not comprehend, but we're discharging them with technology. We're discharging them with sensors and with devices, um, and depending on where they fall in that risk strata that I described, apps and, and web portals where they can input data, where we're automatically, with their permission, collecting data, and all of this data all these zeros and ones are then going into an intelligent hub that's monitoring the specifics of what's going on with that patient that's been discharged. And before the patient then falls back ill, which oftentimes happens with these chronically ill patients, we're able to, through those algorithms, essentially understand that that patient is about to fall off the guardrails. We're then able to actively engage uh, with the patient through digital nudges, through um, actual human calls, right, care managers and nurses calling them up uh, and, and making sure that they're able to then go back in into that circle of wellness. So that's really interesting because if you think about where healthcare is today versus, you know, this reinvention of healthcare that I talked about earlier, this essentially becomes a bridge uh, for us from where we are to where we need to be to essentially leverage the power of digital, uh, the power of uh, the patient's wishes and preferences, their uh, you know, patient-entered data, data that's been collected through the Internet of Things and these devices that you know, oftentimes um, uh, are available to our patients and to our consumers. But it, all of that then gets, gets synthesized to the specifics of how do we make sure that care is moving forward in not just treating these illnesses really well, but making sure that these patients remain in that circle of wellness. We'll dive back into our conversation in just a minute, but first I wanna tell you about one of our outstanding sponsors, 
This episode is brought to you by Medible, the app and analytics company for healthcare. Since its launch in late 2016, Medible has seen rapid adoption of its platform with a customer base that cares for over 15 million patients and conducts over 6,000 clinical trials. Its platform is becoming the de facto standard for healthcare research on mobile. Let's say you're studying Parkinson's disease. Medible's platform allows researchers to set up a clinical trial, access third-party tools like Apple's Research Kit, and integrate different data sets. The company developed something it calls the Human Digitome. It's an intelligence system that systematically tags digital signatures of health and disease. The Digitome is an increasingly prized method, and it's drawing acclaim from leading research hospitals and biopharma companies precisely because it gives medical research centers a way to generate anytime, anywhere data, and analyze massive data sets. But Medible recognizes that there are some fundamental challenges in the clinical trial industry. What are two of the biggest issues slowing down clinical trials? low participation rates, and weak data sharing tools among research groups. Medible's come up with a way to transform clinical trials. It's a blockchain solution they call Insight. Insight enables auditable, transparent, and self-directed data sharing. Researchers can use the Medible platform to contribute data in exchange for funding and other research resources. And clinical trial participants can donate data to specific research efforts. With Insight, everyone benefits. Sound interesting? Then check out Medible. Go to Medible.com to find out how you can get the benefits of insight in your organization. Now let's jump back to the conversation. That's a really great example that you just gave there. I know Vivify Health. I've seen them for many years. Actually, I think they were called Intuitive at one stage going back probably 10 or so years. So I know they've been uh, working on their platform for, for quite a number of years. Uh, are things getting faster and, and, and are things changing more quickly? And if so, what's causing this acceleration in healthcare? I, I do hope that things are uh, going faster. I, I say this with a bit of a pause because healthcare, uh, you know, there's, there's this inertia that exists in the sort of within the incumbents within healthcare. And it's just, you know, this, this notion of status quo um, is real, right? When you look at the specifics of how healthcare is functioning today, and perhaps some would argue for the right reasons, and you know I don't quite buy into that camp, but you know the right reasons that are often quoted are uh, well, it's healthcare, and we're talking about patients' lives, and we we need to be really careful around you know how we bring in change and bring in these untested um, you know algorithms, and and so I, I'm not propagating for a, a rash embrace of innovation. What I'm saying is if we're able to build innovation in, in, and base it on the specifics of, of academic and scientific rigor uh, with a keen business acumen to the level that we're actually doing at UPMC and UPMC Enterprises, uh, therein lies a blueprint for us to really have that sense of urgency that I think we really desperately need in healthcare uh, to move us from where we are to where we need to be. And it's that sense of urgency that I'm starting to see as sparks that are being generated here and there, but, um, but it's not happening at the pace that it needs to. And I, and I believe that you know, with what we're doing, hopefully it'll make a difference, but uh, it absolutely needs to be scaled at a level where healthcare is moving much faster than even where things are right now. So a lot of the technologies are throwing out data. So let, let's talk about data a little bit. I mean, you're the co-chair of the 2018 Health Data Palooza, which is being held at the Washington Hilton in Washington, D.C. on April 26th to 27th this year. I've not attended this event before, but I will be there this year. What's the event about and what can people expect? Yeah, I'm really excited about the Health Data Palooza for um, those of you who've uh, 
not considered go, attending the Health Data Palooza, you should definitely put this on your radar. I, you know, I, I look at Health Data Palooza as the perfect intersection of private and public and policy coming together uh, in one venue in Washington, D.C. Um, check out the website uh, and, uh, and uh, follow the hashtag HDPalooza on Twitter and social media. Uh, so Health Data Palooza, I think, really brings together um, you know, companies uh, that are trying to make a difference in capitalizing on the assets that we have around health data to really create the right sets of knowledge and information and the right nudges to really move the industry forward in the direction that it needs to move towards. But it doesn't just happen in a bubble, right? And it, oftentimes when you're when you're in a bubble uh, in, in the institutions that you might be in, in the clinics that you might be working in, in, in the labs and sort of the data science type uh, technological sort of entities that you may belong to, or um, in the startup circles or the investment circles, or even the policy circles, up, um, you know, in, 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 um, in you know, countries across the board and in the United States in particular, it's not about those bubbles. It's really about the coming together of those passionate individuals that reside across public, private, and policy, coming together and saying, all right, what are those best practices? How do we take those best practices and scale them? How do we make sure that we're able to capitalize on the power of partnerships and collaboration to really focus in on the specifics of what health and care is really about? And that's what the Health Data Palooza is really trying to bring forward because you know we have we're in an environment today Dan where we're data rich and information poor right and but there are best practices there are these shining lights these beacons of hope and, and we're trying to highlight and accentuate um, those uh, those shining examples we're trying to then say all right here are blueprints in terms of how you can scale these here are people that you should be talking to and connecting to I truly believe that the future of healthcare is going to be built on the shoulders of the strongest of partnerships. And it's these partnerships that um, really need to come together, not just amongst like-minded individuals that are already singing your tune and bought into the specifics of what you're talking about, but really across the board in public, private, and policy coming together. So really excited about Health Data Palooza and um, you know, looking forward to uh, the, uh, the focus that we'll have on uh, the power of health data in liberating the data and freeing the data and bringing together, you know, cultural paradigms and partnerships to sort of move the health uh, that we know today, health and healthcare today, to to the future. So really excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. I've never been able to attend it in the past. My schedule's just never allowed me to get there. This year, I will be there the 26th and 27th of April in Washington D.C. And uh, I've looked at the steering committee. I've looked at some of the the guests that are uh, that, uh, some of the speakers that are going to be there. It's a really uh, well thought out agenda and some great speakers from actually all over the world. Uh, I'll include a link to the uh, registration on the show notes for this page so people can find that. But if you just Google Health Data Palooza, uh, you should be taken to that page as well. Rasu, I have uh, six questions I like to ask every guest. Do you mind if I run through them with you? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Rasu, what's a saying, quote, or phrase that motivates you? There are many. There really are. I, I follow you on Twitter, and, and I, could, I can put a link here with a lot of the great sayings that you have, some from when you're attending various events, but uh, some that I think you probably just come up with yourself. Tell me, tell me some. Tell me one. Yeah. So uh, there's, a, there's a quote from Michelangelo that, I, that resonates really well with, uh, 
with uh, the mindset change that I was talking about earlier. And the quote goes something like this. The greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it's too low and we reach it. And I think that's really important for us, this this notion of um, being ambitious and audacious in uh, in our appetite as we challenge the status quo, as we look at the specifics of, um, you know, even uh, just just where where we are in the industry, how we how we connect the dots across, um, you know, passionate individuals that may come in from different corners of the world to different industries to different skin colors and, and experiences. So for us to really think about this in in, in being able to really aim high and, uh, and 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 not see limits but see possibilities, I, I think that's really really important. What advice do you have for others working to innovate in healthcare? So the one advice that I'd have is start first with empathy. I, I think it's really important for us as innovators, uh, for, for, for us as doers and believers, for us to walk in their shoes. Uh, shut that laptop, roll up your sleeves, go out there, immerse yourself with that nurse, that patient, that physician. Do it. What book do you recommend to our listeners? Lots of books. There's lots of great, great books. I, uh, I'm an avid reader. Um, this, this one book in particular that I'm, I'm trying to make a dent uh, into right now, and I say this because uh, it's, a, it's actually a fairly thick book. Um, it's called Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City. And it talks about how even in a country like America, uh, it, you know, the DNA of a lot of the ail, ailments that we have, uh, not just in healthcare, but really um, uh, you know, around sort of the public good that uh, needs to be uh, spread across the board. And that affects, again, the specifics of healthcare that we're trying to make an impact on, uh, how that's shaped by poverty and profit. So Evicted, uh, highly recommended uh, book. It's the winner of the 27 Pulitzer Prize for general nonfiction. Uh, it's a fairly thick book. But having said that, I think it just, um, you know, it's already starting to open up my eyes to things that I, um, I, I knew existed, but didn't quite know the gravity of how it affects even the decisions that we're making uh, on a day in day out basis. Excellent. Thanks for that recommendation. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. What's a piece of tech that you recommend our listeners check out? Oh, gosh. So um, I, I'm like a kid in a candy store when it comes to new technologies and capabilities. You know, one, one thing in particular that was actually brought to my attention by uh, someone in my team recently, and we're exploring how we actually use this piece of technology in, uh, in the everyday work that we're doing across our teams, is the, Mo uh, the Mozilla Open Badges. So I'm not sure if you've You've actually seen this, but um, really interesting. And, I'll, uh, and what Open Badges is, is, um, is really an initiative uh, around um, packaging information about accomplishments, embedding it into portable image files as a digital badge, and really gamifying uh, processes that you may, you may already have within, within the teams uh, that, that work in your, your organization and, and beyond. So I, I truly believe in this notion of you know, gamifying and making it fun, right? And, and at the same time, creating a level of transparency uh, and visibility to the accomplishments, um, to the tasks at hand, to the out-of-the-box thinking that you know, some uh, within your team might bring to the table and you want to encourage more. 
So how do you earn? How do you issue these digital badges? How do you display these? How do you understand the specifics of the, the incentives around these? So Mozilla Open Badges, highly recommended. Excellent. Haven't heard of that before, Albert. Be sure to check it out, and I'll include a link on the show notes. If I gave you a check for $5 million for you to invest in health technology today, how would you invest it? So, so one thing in particular that I think warrants a lot of attention is really around social determinants of healthcare. Um, the specifics of trying to understand that health and healthcare doesn't just happen within the walls of a hospital, that, that the zip code is a, a greater deterministic factor of outcomes than even the genetic code. And, and for us to get to that level of equity in managing behavior change, in managing wellness, in managing the lives of the patients that we're trying to serve, you know, understanding the specifics of the social determinants of healthcare, you know, where they're living, eating, working, playing, um, uh, the specifics of their eating habits and and, uh, and purchasing habits, of, of what drives and motivates them, of poverty, and, and whether or not they'd be able to afford that next meal or whether or not um, that uh, they'd be able to uh, you know, take into account the recommendations that we may be making as, as uh, healthcare providers. So a focus on social determinants of healthcare in a way that we're able to tap into that data and we're able to then connect the dots across the board into the clinical and outcomes data and cost data and other data elements. That's what I'd really focus in on. And last thing, we make a contribution to a charity in appreciation of your time here on the show. What charity have you selected and can you tell me a little bit about what they do? Um, so many charities came to mind when I was going through this, uh, but one charity in particular just rises to the top of my mind right now, and it's uh, it's the Rukmini Foundation, R-U-K-M-I-N-I. Uh, on Twitter, they're at Rukmini Fund, and it's it's a really small organization. Uh, it's an organization that really focuses in on um, and in, in the country of my birth, I, I'm, I was born in Nepal. I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen, but I was born in Nepal. And what they look at is um, access to education for girls. Uh, so there's a big disparity that exists um, really internationally, but in a country like Nepal that um, you know, has, still has a lot of poverty with 80% of the population living in the rural areas. You can just imagine the, the tremendous disparities that exist out there. So the Rukmini Foundation was established in 2011, so it's fairly young, but they, they try to weed out the roots of discrimination and the disenfranchisement of girls in vulnerable areas of, of Nepal. So highly recommend um, the, looking at them. Excellent. Well, thank you. We will definitely make a donation online in your name to that organization and keep a, a link in the show notes for this for anyone else who feels they want to make a, a contribution as well. It's a personal passion of mine. So thank you very much for mentioning them and for being a part of the show that we can make that donation. What's a good way to keep in touch with you and follow your progress? So I, I try to be fairly accessible um, everywhere, really, um, on social media, on Twitter, at um, Rasu Shrestha. Follow us uh, at UPMC Enterprises and hashtag UPMC Innovates. Twitter really sort of sets everything on fire in terms of the scale and the reach that we have globally. So that would perhaps be the, the best way to uh, make that initial contact and stay in touch. Excellent. We'll include links to your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter handle, uh, UPMC, uh, your, your programs there at UPMC and UPMC Enterprises and also for the, uh, the, the link to Datapalooza. So hopefully people will be able to have a chance to meet you there, if not catch up with you in Pittsburgh. Thanks so much for coming and being a part of the program. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. 
There you have it. That was Razu Shretza of UPMC and UPMC Enterprises. Grab all the links to the things we discussed on the show notes for this episode at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 57. You can also find the links to register for the Health Data Palooza conference that he's co-chairing. It's coming up on April 26th and 27th in Washington, D.C. And be sure to let me know if I'll see you there. Many thanks to our partner, Medible, and their new insight solution for clinical trials. You can find their link in the show notes or just go directly to medible.com. Follow me on Twitter at HealthTechDan and follow the show at dhealthtoday. That's all from me for now. I'll speak with you soon on episode 58. And until next time, keep on innovating.